that she's wrestling with in her mind that the devil keeps assaulting her about and so it's just playing on her mind and she said these words I know it's a lie I know it's not true I know that it's not it's not me and 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 you know she, she's she's wrestling with these things in her mind but she said I know it's not true but I'm still battling with it and so I said listen sister you got to stop right there let's stop cut cut because it's one thing to be deceived right it's one thing to believe something's true and it's actually not true right but it's a whole different thing it's a whole separate issue to recognize and know something as a lie and then still kind of give in to it still be tricked by it still be plagued and haunted by it i said sister listen you got to stop that right there what you need to do is you need to start talking back you need to if you know it's a lie then when the devil assaults when the devil begins to speak then you've got to learn how to speak back you know the reality is is when we're young and there's some children probably hearing you know but we we never had to be taught how to talk back to our parents you know what i'm saying there's the occasional moment when bravery kind of took over our soul and uh, you know our parents said something gave us an instruction uh, and uh, you know you thought let me just try and let me just test the water see where the boundary is uh, and you know you cross that line uh, and you said something back uh, for some that yielded different consequences you know some people uh, you might have had the soft hand that said oh you know just just go to your room or there's you know a shouting for some there was no discussion that was instant response uh, and uh, you, you know where it went from there we know how to no one had to teach us how to talk back yeah. married couples when it comes to the household you know hey everyone's trying to have the last say yeah. the, the argument breaks out and uh, you don't want to be the last one. You don't want to be the one that goes silent because you feel like you lost the you lost the argument. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you've had an argument with a friend. Uh, you know, maybe on the phone. I was explaining to my youngest sister. She's only maybe 14, 15. She's a, she's about 14 years old, 15 years old, something like that. Amen. Hopefully she doesn't see this. Oh dear. Uh, you know, she's just, she's just had her birthday as well. That's what makes it worse. But I was explaining to her that there was a time when we, if we wanted to text people, we'd have to pay 10 pence for a text. Do you remember those? Does anyone remember? Am I on my own? Anyone remember those days? 10 P a text. And if you had five day pass, Oh, you don't even know about five-day pass. Yeah. Uh, that was when you had free calls and texts to T-Mobile. You'd just be on the phone. You weren't even talking. You'd just be making your food. Your food, your phone's just on to your friend. And if you weren't on T-Mobile, you weren't getting no love. But these days, you got like unlimited calls, unlimited texts uh, with everyone. So, you know, them days, if an argument broke out over text, like, hey, there's no pride about it. I'm not finishing off this. I'll see you in school tomorrow because this, this is costing me money. <laughs> I'm not going to pursue this one. But today there's arguments back and forth. Uh, emojis are going to uh, send you this voice note, blank you on this, uh, put up that status. Uh, and it's an indirect. Uh, people know what I'm getting at is people know how to have the last say in many areas. So what we get good at church uh, is we get good at opening our mouths when really we should close them instead of, you know, when we should be talking, it seems like, uh, you know, the cat's got our tongue and we don't, we don't seem to know. And these moments when the devil's beginning to lie, 
Those are the moments that God says, no, now is when you need to speak up. Now is when you need to be stubborn. Now is when you need to be unmovable, that you know you're just going to stick to your guns. And even if you have to say the same thing to the devil over and over and over again, what we have to learn, church, is we must talk back to the devil. Turn to someone and say, back chat. We've got to learn how to back chat the devil. Amen. Genesis 3, verse 1 to 6. Let's have a look at this. We're going to unpack this a little bit and we're going to pray. Genesis 3, 1 to 6. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast in the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said? That is very important there. Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The devil is asking Eve a question. Has he said that? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. How many know the devil's lying right there? For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. So let's paint the picture here for a second, because the devil's kind of just, you know, approached the scene. He's come onto the scene now. He's about to launch his first temptation against mankind. And so mankind, you know, Adam and Eve are just there. You know, everything's good. They're living life in the garden and uh, things are good. Things are well. God's given them an instruction that there's one tree in the garden. Just don't touch that tree. God, you, listen, guys, you can have everything. Anything that your eye sees, you, whatever you want, take the fruit from it. But there's one thing I'm going to restrict from you. One thing. Don't touch that. And the devil homes in on that one thing. Comes to Eve and says, you know, ask a question, a provocative question to try and open up. He's fishing. He's trying to hook her into the conversation. And he says, has God really said that you can't, you know, and does the Bible really say that you've got to live like that? Has God really said, that, you know, you've got to go to church. You, you know, you can't say that thing. You can't watch that. You can't be with that person. You can't do those things. Uh, Has God really said, uh, and he launches this assault. He's trying to spark some curiosity inside her and it works. Eve turns around and says, well, you know, God said that we can't eat that tree. You know, the picture I get from Eve is like when a child, you say, you know, a child is being asked to cross a border that their parents have said, don't go there or don't do that. And so a child doesn't understand why. There's no real understanding. And so the child just says, well, my daddy said I can't do this. Well, my mummy said I can't do that. Why? Well, mummy just said I can't do it. This is kind of where Eve's at. It's just like, well, God said that we can't do that. And when the devil turns around and says, you know, you're not going to die. Don't worry. That's not true. It's like it was the words that she was waiting to hear. And as soon as she heard those words, she's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I was thinking that anyway. And so she's willing to jump in. She just dives right into this thing. But what we note from the text is that the moment that the devil really starts talking, when he says, as God really said, and then, you know, she answers, and then he goes back and says, no, you're not going to die. When you eat of the fruit, you're going to be like God. What we hear after that, we don't hear any response from Eve, no response from Adam. All we read after that is that Eve goes into the temptation. She takes that fruit and she eats. 
And all the while, the devil has no power. I want you to understand something here tonight. The devil has no power to force Eve and Adam to do this thing. He can't just hop into her body and say, I'm going to eat that fruit for you and jump back out and says, ha ha, got you. No, he has to trick her. He has to convince her. She had to exercise her free will to go against the commandment of God. That means tonight, church, when you fall into temptation, you can't point the finger and say, the devil made me do it because the devil doesn't have that kind of clout. The devil can't force you to do anything. So what we're talking about tonight is we are are able to resist the devil we're able to say no and that can mean no even if we have to say it 10 times 15 20 100 times but if we keep saying it the bible says resist the devil and he will flee why because he's a master of intimidation but he has no power i heard a story a friend of mine he's a pastor and so he went with his wife over for a nice holiday in, in Egypt. I've never been to Egypt, but I hear it's nice. And so he went over to Egypt uh, and he's having a good time. It's time to come back home. And so they flew, um, they flew EasyJet. I've, I've got nothing against EasyJet. You know what I'm saying? You know, if you fly EasyJet, God bless you. You know what I'm saying? I, I've done short flights to EasyJet, but Egypt sounds too far for me. You know, <laughs> I might try something else. But anyway, he gets, they get on the flight, right? And so as they're sat down in their seats, people are still boarding. A guy comes in with his girlfriend, right? And so this guy is a little bit, it's a bit, a bit rough around the edges, it seems. And so he walks in and I don't know if you've been in those settings before where everyone's calm, everyone's cool. It'd be like someone in church today, everyone's happy, smiling. And then there's one person that feels the need to kind of throw their weight around. Just be a bit, I don't know what the word is like, is it obnoxious? I don't know what it is, but throw their weight around, shouting a little bit, trying to make their presence known. And so this guy comes on the plane and he's got his girlfriend and he's just, he's just shouting a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my seat over there. Blah, blah, blah. And he's kind of barging his way through and he sits out. It's, it's like an intimidation tactic. Like nobody messed with me. You know what I'm saying? And he's just putting it out there. And so he sits down in his seat. And so him and his girlfriend, they haven't even taken off yet. Him and his girlfriend start having an argument. Right. Arguments on the plane are not a good thing. Right. Because you're in this metal tin on in the sky or you're going to be in the sky soon. And uh, things can go down there and you can't just land the plane. So, you know, they're having an argument. And it's breaking out. And so people are just, you know, putting their headphones in. You know, people are just kind of minding their business. Some are opening their newspaper, acting like they can't hear anything. They're turning up their volume and stuff like that. And so plane takes off and they continue arguing. So this guy, the pastor, he's sat there and he's got his headphones in because he's like, it ain't none of my business. And so further in the flight, his wife now nudges him, says, babe, babe, babe. And so now he takes one ear out and he can hear the guy kind of, you know, making a real commotion. And so, you know, he looks over and then the guy has his girlfriend's head right in his hand. And so, you know, the, the windows, right? And so, you know, he's got head and it boom, boom on the plane in the air. And so, you know, people are seeing this, but no one's doing anything. And so this guy is about now. This has been going on for a little bit. 
and the pastor just been alerted. So he's about to kind of spring into action and do something. And then a lady, you know, there's loads of people there and they just ignored the whole situation. But this lady had her kids on the plane. And so she starts shouting at the guy who's doing this to the girlfriend. And she says, no, not in front of my kids. And so as she's shouting that, then everyone else on the plane starts to start to grow wings and starts to feel like, and then people start shouting, yeah, no, you need to, yeah. And they're shouting at the guy, no, 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 stop, blah, blah, blah. And the whole plane starts erupting. And all it took was this one lady to turn around and say, no, 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 not in front of my kids. But he had them all intimidated for how long? This is exactly how the devil works. That the devil will come in and he begins to throw his weight around. The Bible says he goes around like a roaring lion. He goes and he makes noise like a roaring lion. Doesn't say he's the real deal. And so he comes in and he's making all this noise, making this commotion. People are intimidated. They're thinking, man, if I jump in, if I intervene, what's that going to mean for me? Is it going to become worse for me? Is he going to over, uh, 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 overpower me? Is he going to defeat? me what's gonna happen and people end up just backing away the devil's saying all kinds of things doing all kinds of and people end up backing away the devil's beginning to intimidate in your finances well you know uh, maybe it's just what I need to go through the devil begins to run a mock in your family life well maybe it's just a season I need to go through listen I'm tired of those kind of seasons. Sometimes what's needed, beloved, I understand there are trials. There are things we may need to go through, but not everything's one of those things. And more often than not, I think um, we're settling and accepting things that we ought not to accept. That God would look down from heaven and say, if only you would stand and open your mouth and begin to back chat the enemy. All that we need to do sometimes, church, is speak back. The devil's often all smokes, smoke and mirrors. You know, we, we get intimidated <clears throat> because we look, at, we look at things like, you know, Job's life and we think, man, I, I don't know if I want that. You know, if I start to resist and I start to, we start to, you know, we read about Job and how we went through it. But, you know, the latter end of Job's life, what we have to understand about kingdom principle in the spirit realm is that it is far worse for you and I if we don't fight, then if we do. I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to lie to you and say, you know, if you fight, then everything's just going to be smooth sailing, hunky-dory and all of that. But listen, I can tell you that I guarantee you this, it would be far worse for you to give up that ground to the enemy because you didn't want to say nothing. You didn't want to disturb anything. You didn't want to stand for anything. Far worse for you to give that up than it would have been if you had just we're living in a generation where people can see all kinds of things going wrong and not bat an eyelid. Just recently, I think it was last month, maybe the month before, uh, you know, but there was a lady in Philadelphia. She's on a train and I don't know all the ins and outs of the story there, but I was told about this story and I quickly searched it up uh, online. And so she's on a train in Philadelphia and she's being sexually assaulted and there are people on the train and nobody did anything. Nobody did anything. The most that anyone done was pull out their camera phone and start recording. That's the generation that we're living in, where people can see injustice like that and do nothing. How much more people will see the devil running a mock 
in their lives, running amok in their church, you know, taking dominion and authority in their family and friends' life. People are bound in addictions and we turn away and we say, hey, we know that if we really stood and fought, we've got power in the spiritual realm. Do you understand that? We've got power as the children of God. We can speak things. We can do things. But, you know, oftentimes we just stand back. So I don't want to get involved. Listen, today is the day we need to start to back chat the enemy. Amen. <laughs> there was another guy told me a story. He was a growing up young guy, you know, and uh, he was telling me about when he when he was in school. He used to live in a pretty rough area. And so he'd he'd get on the bus. Right. And he's on his way home. And there's loads of kids on the bus. You know, it is after school, loads of school kids on the bus up on the top deck, just filled out the whole place. And so he said there was this one guy in the area called Joseph. Now, he didn't even go to the school. He was much older. And this guy, Joseph, would come on the bus and he'd just walk upstairs on his own. There's a bus full of kids, could easily overpower. He just walks upstairs on his own, gets to the top deck. This was around Tottenham sides. He'd get to the top deck. And all he would do, there are people on the bus, some people are coming from work and that, but he, he didn't mind them. He, he wasn't there for them. He'd just say lunchtime and he'd start rubbing his hands. <laughs> he'd say lunchtime and he starts walking down the bus and all these kids are opening their pockets and they'd be giving him money and, and paying him taxes like he's Caesar. <laughs> and so the guy's walking down the bus, he's collecting uh, and he's going to go Morley's and get chicken and chips afterwards uh, on everyone's pennies and pounds and whatever they've given him. Uh, and I'm thinking, man, all it takes is just for a couple of those kids just to turn around and say, no, I'm not having it today. I'm not having it. And just eye contact with someone, someone on the other side of him, just we're not having it today. You know what, hey, and just start a revolution. <laughs> and then the guy, that'll be the end of his career. That's it. But you know what? Because we get so frozen by intimidation, we get so captivated, we can't move. What happens when the devil comes to your finances and says lunchtime? What happens when the devil comes to your household and he's rubbing his hands and he thinks he can just step into your house with that kind of authority and say lunchtime? What happens when the devil says uh, over your body uh, and there's all kind of sickness and pain and he says, hey, lunchtime, uh, I'm going to keep you bound. Uh, listen, we've got to get mad at the devil sometimes. How long will you sit around and do nothing? Look at the Bible. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8. Watch the Bible. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Mentioned that earlier. But the scripture doesn't end there. Verse 9, right? We like to quote that in its isolation, but the scripture doesn't end there. Verse 9, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. The Bible says the next verse says resist him. That tells me something that the devil can be resisted, that you don't have to just accept it. The Bible makes it clear. Yes, he goes around like a roaring liner. He says, yes, be sober, be vigilant, be alert, be aware, be spiritually aware. Don't think of everything as just physical. Some things are spiritual. He says, be aware of that. But he also says in the same breath, resist the devil. Listen, if you fight, if you stand, if you begin to back chat, I'm telling you, the devil will have no option 
but to flee. He can't make us sin. He can't make us sin. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. We were doing a, a, a theology class in our church and we were talking about God's characteristics and how he's uh, omnipotent and omnipresent. All these long, big words uh, about God and how he's all powerful and all knowing uh, and in all places. Uh, and then, you know, just, just the reality hits. Wait, wait. God is all of those things. The devil is none of those things. He doesn't have, you know, we... I don't know, maybe this is Hollywood. I don't know what gives us this idea that the devil is somehow on par with God. Like he's got that kind of power. Listen, don't put that kind of respect on his name. Only put that kind of respect on God's name. Because the devil cannot do those things. He doesn't know all things. He's not in all places. He can't be everywhere all times. Listen to what Isaiah says. This puts it in perspective for me. Isaiah 14, 15. Yet you shall be brought down to shield. Talking about the devil. To the lowest depths of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider you saying, is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms? So wait, the Bible's making it clear, saying one day people are going to look at the devil and they're going to look and they're going to be confused. Is this, the, is this the brother? This is the guy that had me awake at night. <laughs> this is the guy that had me fearful for my life. This is the one who shook king. No, this can't be the one. People are going to look confused when they realize this is all he was all along. The devil can be defeated tonight. In fact, I'll go as far as saying the devil is already defeated. We just got to tap into the victory. Amen. We just got to leave this place with the victory. Jesus has already defeated the devil. Now, I want you to flick over to another text because I want to make a comparison here. So Luke 4, before we pray, Luke chapter 4. I want you to open your Bible there because I'm going to read a few verses and I want you to see or it may. Yep, it's already up there. You guys are efficient. Luke chapter 4. I'm going to read from verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterwards, when he had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you're the son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I'll give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan. How many know we need to say that from time to time? Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hand, they shall bear you up. Listen, the devil's even quoting scriptures now. 
in your hands, uh, in their hands, they shall bear you up unless you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered and said, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. How many know when you resist, the devil has no option to flee? Why make this comparison? Just very quickly and very briefly. Uh, the first scripture we read, Genesis 3, we're talking about Adam and Eve. They failed to speak back. They failed to talk back to the devil. The temptation is there and, uh, you know, they, they end up falling into the temptation. Jesus comes, uh, the Bible references, uh, references him as the second Adam. He comes to correct uh, the errors of the first Adam. And so now the temptations unfolding again and we see a completely different response. Every single time Jesus is being tempted, uh, all we're seeing is back chat. Yeah. Every single time uh, the devil says, hey, if you're the son of God, if you're the real deal, why don't you do this? Temptation. Uh, and Jesus says, it is written. Then he goes and says, oh, why don't you do this? And da -da, it is written. Then he says, hey, come up here, throw yourself down. And the devil even quotes scripture to Jesus. And Jesus says, listen, you can quote those scriptures out of context all you want, but it's not going to change anything. How many know, listen to me, church, the only way you're going to be able to back chat the devil like Jesus did is you're going to have to know the word. The word of God, as Ephesians says, uh, is the sword. It's our weapon. You know, have you ever, you might not have been in a situation like that, but let's say a mad person came in here, right? And just ran in and how many know, you know, we've got some, some pretty strong looking ushers around here. So I've got full confidence. Uh, let's say a mad person ran in and, and I, I, I was the target. I mean, who would want to target me? But let's just, for the illustration's sake, I was the target. And so they're running in and they're about to, uh, and then the ushers just jump in because they already know they're so in tune spiritually uh, that this is an assault on the man of God. Uh, someone grabs his ankle uh, and he buckles. Uh, another jumps on top of him. Uh, boom. And they've restrained him. Now, at that point... <laughs> There's something else you need to do if we're going to keep the situation under control. You need to check for some weapons. Because how many know a weapon has the ability to turn a situation? Yeah. A concealed weapon? Hey, listen, you can be holding me, but all it takes is a split second. If I pulled out a gun, it's all over. I pull out a knife, it's all over. If there's a concealed weapon, everything changes. You go into certain buildings and you have to walk through, you put all your possessions there because they want to know that you haven't got a weapon. They want to know that there's no sort of a... And so what does the devil do to Adam and Eve? The first thing he does uh, is he's spiritually patting them down. He's checking, where's your weapon? The first thing he goes for, listen to what he goes for. Has God really said? He goes straight for the word of God. The only thing that they could have pulled out to stop the devil. He says, now let me take that off of you right now. Let me pat you down right now. You know why some Christians find it so hard to read the Bible? They'll be reading the Bible and they use it as their bedtime. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're soothing. You know, they read two verses and they're asleep. Listen, you better find a different time of day to read the Bible because that's the devil patting you down. Because that's going to be your weapon in your time of need. And so the devil goes straight for it. Says, you know, hey, the very thing that they could have pulled out at that time. If only they'd known God's word better, they would have said, no, 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 no. Listen, we've got to start back chatting 
the devil. There are things that we don't need to accept. Someone, you know, hey, this, you might have had a, a health diagnosis. Yeah, I understand. And there's, you know, there's theological, you know, you speak to your pastor about all different kind of healings and stuff like that. I'm not that deep, but I know something for sure. In Luke chapter 18, the Bible says that Jesus sees a woman and it's the Sabbath and he heals this woman. The Bible says she's been bent over. Her back has been in so much pain for 18 years. And so, you know, he heals her and the Pharisees start kicking off. They're like, why have you done this on the Sabbath and, and X, Y, Z? And he says, hold on, you, you deal with your animals and stuff on the Sabbath and all that kind of stuff. He says, this woman has been bound by Satan for 18 years. You read it yourself, Luke 18, by Satan. So that tells me that there are some sicknesses. I don't know about every sickness. I don't know about every illness and disease, but there are some sicknesses that we do not have to accept yeah. because some of those sicknesses came straighter from demonic bondage. Yeah. And Jesus says, no, 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 you can, you can, you can be set free that in him, in Jesus Christ, that you can be set free. James 4, 7. We're going to close for time's sake. James 4, 7. The Bible says these words, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Listen, maybe that's a, a, a scripture, a verse that we need to just meditate on a few times. Maybe we need to just this week, just read that every morning. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That means it doesn't matter how hard or how long the bondage has been there, how many times you've fallen for the same trap. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You see, the thing about back chatting is that you might find yourself just saying the same thing over and over again. You know, if Adam and Eve in the garden, the devil comes and said what he said, if they had just turned around and said, oh, we're just going to stick with the, the, the trees that God gave us. If they just said that, the devil probably say something back. Yeah, but, you know, try a little cunning thing. Oh, we're just going to stick with the trees that God gave us. Yeah, have you ever tried to sell something to someone that they don't, they don't want to buy? <laughs> You're trying to sell something. Oh, no, you know, I've, I've got one of those at home. You can try from another. I've got one of those at home. You try again. Oh, but this one's an upgrade. But I've got one of those at home. You might be saying the same thing over and over. I don't care. If I've got to say the same thing to the devil every single morning and every single night, then so be it. Because the Bible says eventually this dude's going to have to flee. Eventually he's going to have to leave me alone. Eventually I'm going to walk away from that temptation victorious uh, as long as uh, I stick to God's word. Last thing before we pray. Jesus is tempted in Luke chapter 4. This is on the back of the height of Jesus's spiritual experience. Luke chapter three, he's just been baptized, right? So he goes to the Jordan, he's been baptized by John. And so, you know, he gets baptized. He's had his water baptism. Listen, you, you probably think after you've been baptized, that's it, the devil don't mess with you. Well, Jesus got baptized and then he was tempted. So you can burst that bubble. Then the Bible says after he's baptized, a dove falls down from heaven and the Holy Ghost is baptizing him. Now, uh, <laughs> that's already phenomenal. 
You know what I'm saying? People are seeing, imagine people are seeing the scene, Jesus getting baptized and God's voice, he speaks and he blesses Jesus. But the dove comes down, they're seeing this. Then he goes into the wilderness led by the spirit and he's fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Think about all this spiritual activity. All of this spiritual activity that's happening. Jesus is at the pinnacle of spirituality. And that is when the devil launches his assault. See, you might think that just doing spiritual things and, you know, hey, keeping things spiritual will mean that the devil's not going to trouble you ever. He's never going to trouble you. Oh, but God, I've been in church for three months. Uh, you know, I've been in church for six months now. I've been doing good. Uh, I've been at every service, haven't missed. Uh, and you're expecting that the devil's just not going to bother you. I've been reading my Bible every night and, uh, you know, you're expecting the devil's just not going to tempt you. I've been praying. I've been keeping up with my prayer. I've even fasted. Uh, listen, if the devil tempted Jesus at that moment, that means that the devil will tempt us even in the height of our spirituality. What I'm saying is that you can't avoid the devil. You're going to have to confront the devil. You can't just try and, oh, you know, this is going to get rid of him. That will get rid of him. Those things give you the ability and the power to fight the devil effectively. Those things build you up and get you ready for the fight. They don't eliminate the fight. It means that you still have to fight the devil. You still have to confront. Uh, you're still going to have to use that word. You're going to use that prayer. You're going to use those fastings and all of that. And all those spiritual experiences, uh, those are going to ground you so that you can fight. But it doesn't mean the absence of a fight. And what we have to resolve tonight when we come to this altar is, yes, uh, I'm going to have to fight the devil. Yes, I'm going to have to uh, engage. Yes, I'm going to have to speak back. Uh, but when I speak back uh, and I declare the word of God before uh, uh, the devil, then eventually he's going to have to flee. I want to tell you something. Be encouraged tonight. You don't realize how much power you have. Doesn't matter if you just got saved. The moment you bowed your knee to Christ and you said, Jesus, I need you as my Lord and Savior. All kind of power was made ready to you in the spiritual realm. That you begin to speak things, you do things, uh, and it changes things. Things that had you bound. Listen, before I got saved, uh, I used to smoke weed pretty much every day. Every single day. And it was like six months into salvation. That I realized, I scratched my head. I was like, hold on, I haven't even, I haven't even had the desire. I haven't even thought about it. We was at a fellowship uh, and someone brought it up and I was like, oh yeah, I used to do that. And I, I just didn't even think about it. That's the kind of power that God puts inside of us. That, you know, hey, there's some things we might have to deliberately fight. There's some things that just through the grace of God, he's just going to take away. And I'm telling you, the moment you give your life to Christ, that everything begins to shift. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me all across this place. Uh, we've got to learn how to back chat the devil. Amen.